From Tally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One more corner pocket. Now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hunch of Andy and Corey Clark. Like my brother Wake up! What is up, everybody? It's Wake Up War Champ, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Coming up on today's show, practice observations. John Blau from the Post and Courier breaks down the Clemson game, and maybe us, too, start making predictions on how this game can shake out. Wake Up War Champ, presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. That's in Tallahassee, Florida, 2475 Appalachian Parkway. On the Internet, you can find them at cptallybar.com. You can always hit the QR code on your screen. It takes you right to the website. Monday through Friday, lunch specials. From 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. for only $8.99. On Wednesdays, they they just get it figured out for you. Like, here's five chicken wings and french fries. Boom. $8.99 from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Uh, go check it out. Have your lunch there. Check out the football games. If you're not going to be joining all of us there in Death Valley, go watch the game. Be on that security footage that we'll use to create a really cool video after the big win. Uh, get involved, everybody. Meet a friend. Bring a friend. Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, Tallahassee, Florida. Warchant.com, your ultimate Seminole sports source. Big game weekend promo, half off an entire annual membership. So 50% off a year membership at Warchant.com. If you're a new subscriber, head over, sign up, get involved in that one as well. You would have been able to hang out in the uh, Ask Me Anything uh, thing that we had the other night with uh, Michael Langston, some of the recruiting guys, Tom Lang. Uh, I think Ben Spicer was driving the whole thing. Ben Spicer virtuoso behind the ones and twos was he the uh the brainchild behind the the coach coach speak thing that you guys do now on headlines or the, the headlines team does no that was ira that came up with the idea but he's yeah. the one like you said that drives the ship he's yeah. working the uh he, he's working behind the scenes well he's actually on it too some yeah, uh, yeah presenting the clips and everything so yeah he does a good job big part of war champ mm. yeah so uh check it out stay connected and all that sort of stuff uh Corey, how are you i didn't even ask how you were i brought you in the show without even asking how you are i just trust that you're doing well these days because you're covering the number three football team in the country i am doing well uh just got done with a, a pretty tough workout mm. uh feeling good about that got all those endorphins released nice uh and just you know just riding high buddy riding high counting down the hours until uh death valley high noon Okay. Uh, I was not riding high after practice, but then I spoke to John Blau uh, from the Post and Courier. He'll be uh, at the end of the show and um, maybe feel a little bit better about this matchup. No need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Flores had a bad game. I'll need to move on past that. I just I had a little concern about maybe Clemson coming in really confident, like kind of maybe discovering something they didn't have, they didn't know they had in these last two wins. But it's like, yeah, man, they were trailing against Charleston Southern. And it was FAU and Casey Thompson, yeah. bless his heart, man, just, you know, was a turnover machine in Nebraska. Yeah, he's horrible. Threw a pick six, so uh, let's not get carried away. Also, apparently some health concerns on their offensive line, namely like a left tackle. They're shuffling two guys, Colin yeah. Sadler and Tristan Lee. So Jared Verse, go eat. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later, some of the comments he made. But I'll be honest, Corey, I did not like the way they practiced on Tuesday. Mike Norvell said that. He thought they had a good work day. I, I did not. I did not see like a level of strain that I wanted to. I didn't see you know, player-led moments. I saw a lot of coaches with a lot of salty language uh, outside their normal kind of disposition trying to get guys fired up, trying to get guys ready, which I'm like, Anna, do we want to do that right now? Like, it feels like, uh, you know, we're kind of rocking the boat a little bit. But uh, tell everybody that I'm wrong and what you thought about practice on Tuesday. I didn't really have a thought on it. It, it didn't strike me one way or the other. It's like a good practice or a, bra a bad practice. It seemed to me like a, uh, a, a normal practice. Um, I thought Jordan looked fine. Well, the big thing was Jordan looked fine and moved around fine. Mm. Right? Yeah. If, if we're thinking about what Saturday is going to be, look, now, if he wasn't moving around fine or if he was holding his side every time he threw or if he came out, but we couldn't tell you anyway, <laughs> but he didn't. So he, he looked he looked good. He looked normal to me. And yeah. that's a that's a uh, that's a very big positive is that old J. Trav uh, looked normal. Um, everything else, man, I think, you know, it's it's just so hard for people like us to judge uh, a lot of times the quality of a practice because it did seem like it was a lot of install. And it was so that's more of like teaching and not like, hey, good on good one-on-one, -on -one, go beat your man, go be, go be mean. And like, you're learning. Yeah. 
so maybe today's practice will be more uh, kind of tone setting. But also, like, look, man, I thought they practiced pretty good last week. I thought they practiced fine. And then what happened on Saturday happened. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes, buddy. But I, you know, I, did, I wasn't alarmed or uh, dismayed by anything I saw on Tuesday. Two things that happened last week. Uh, one that I glossed over because, like, it kind of is what it is. I didn't want to make a big deal out of it because I didn't think it was a big deal, and it probably isn't. Uh, I don't know if it's a causation, correlation, however you want to frame it. But, man, there was moments where when they break up into, like, period 22 or 23 where they go their last scout look of the day where it's, you know, the number one defense going up against mostly walk-ons and it's the number one offense going up against mostly walk-ons on defense. Scout team, if you will, everybody. Yeah. Um, The scout team defense surrendered, like, two big throws downfield. And I was just like, whatever. I mean, it, it wasn't like the quarterback had all sorts of time and threw a beautifully placed ball. It was just kind of like, you know, every single time when it comes to the, the first team defense going up the, the scout look offense, they eat that offensive line alive, which they should. And the quarterback just kind of flings it up there and let, heaves some prayers out. But, man, like the receivers made catches, like contested catches. And I was like, oh, good for them. You know, good for them to you know show some fight in practice. And it wasn't them running free on, you know, with seven right. seconds in the pocket. So it didn't happen that way in Boston College. But, like, I was like, huh. So as I was getting ready to walk out of practice on Tuesday, go set up my trap, I'm like, I'm going to watch the first few minutes of the scout look to see if the defense prevents any big plays. And, and thankfully they did. So maybe we got some of that buttoned up. But the- I think you misspoke at the beginning of that. You said the scout team uh, defense – Game, Sorry. Yeah, you meant the scout team offense against the starters on defense. Correct, correct. The yeah, scout okay. looked no, gotcha. the, yeah, sorry. So um, thank you for Yeah, no, they usually uh, dominate, which they're supposed to, but there have been occasionally. I remember Duffy hitting uh, Goldie maybe. Yeah. So, and that's also, we should point out, it's not all walk-ons. Like, they have freshmen that aren't going to really play much this year, yeah. um, or quarterbacks, I guess, that aren't going to play much this year. They do, it's not all walk-ons. They are getting scholarship players, and that's good for them. Like, Goldie Lawrence can run, man. Uh, you know, that that's not just a, uh, you know, a 4-9-40 kid that's easy to cover. I mean, you got to run with them. So they that, that is the beauty of a program when you're starting to rebuild it to this shape is that the, the, the scout team defense occasionally can get uh, – or, or sorry, the starting defense, if they're not on their P's and Q's, can get run by yeah. because they're playing real guys now. Uh, they even got like the ninth guy on the on the ninth receiver on this team is probably on the scout team. Well, he would have been the fourth best receiver two years ago. So that that I think that does help, right? That does give them looks. And to your point, it would bother you a lot more if they're giving up just wide open stuff. Right. But they don't. But again, they're also not playing Clemson's starting offense. They're they're playing like you said. If they're not walk ons, they're mostly freshmen. Um, and it's, uh, th- but yes, that's that I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm trying to think Aslan, do you remember a, a time this year through three games where a res- a cornerback just got absolutely dusted? No, I mean, other than, other than the than last play against LSU. Yeah. Other than Quindarius Jones, which by the way, um, I mean, I just showed myself there. He was in coverage on Goldie Lawrence and you know, the throw wasn't great, and Goldie probably would have been able to get to it ahead of him if the throw was a little bit better. But they both go to the ground, and then Quindarius pops up and runs his finger across his face mask, like, you know, sniffing his finger, like, don't bring that around me. And I'm just like, come on. You know, I, I guess maybe some confidence out of him is good. Uh, yeah. I didn't like it particularly, but, yeah, that's the only play I can think of because all the Boston College stuff, that's – that felt like safeties not being there when other guys were expecting the safeties yep. to be there, yep. and just six seconds of coverage, which is really tough to ask. Like if you if if, and I do think Clemson, I I think they will defend Clemson differently, and I think Clemson will throw it up a lot. I I do think they'll take some shots, and uh, the corners so far have held up really well. It's the middle of the field that's been the issue, or not even the middle of the field. It's look, it's it's linebackers and safeties. Um, just and it's not like they've been too unathletic or just not talented enough. They just are not there. They're not getting beat. They're not getting shaken. They're just not there. If they can just be there this week, if they can just be where they're supposed to be, uh, you really like their chances because I do think these corners are good. I mean, I could be wrong. Knock on wood. Well, I'm not wrong. Renato Green's good. Yes. I think Azari is turning into a real player. 
And Fentrell's been good. Greedy's been good, too, I think. Yeah, right. And Jarian. Like, this is a good collection of cornerbacks. Yep. Uh, It's just a matter of, you know, making sure they're all on the same page so you're not giving up such wide-open passes in the middle of the field. Yeah. Uh, The one play, the play, as I like to dub it, where they they pretty much the last play before they usually either break for special teams or go back inside the IPF, where they do a, a fourth and goal from a certain yardage line inside, like, the five usually. I didn't, I, you know, I joked about it, Corey, so you can go ahead and p- poke holes in front of the, the nation now as we, or the world, since we're, mm. we're being listened to all across this globe. Uh, but, you know, another thing, you know, listen, last week, Tuesday and Wednesday, when they went to that particular play, that particular part of practice, the offense did not score. Um, and they didn't score again on Tuesday, so they, they better get right on Wednesday. That, that will affect my, my ultimate game prediction. Uh, wasn't a bad look, but it just wasn't. A, man, I, I, what I saw that night, Corey and Doak, that last walkthrough, that last practice that we saw in Doak Campbell before the LSU game, I'm like, that's who they are. That's who they're mostly always going to be. So I keep judging them based on that because that night looked like two extremely elite offenses and defenses just battling all night long. And I'm like, this is going to be amazing. So I'm judging everything against that. Um, you know, that that play just did not seem particularly like a, a great, competed, drawn-up, executed play. That's all. But Wednesday can all change. And what was my point to you? There's They did well in the red zone, the offense. Yeah. So the one play from the five or whatever didn't yeah. seem to affect them. It was all the third and threes and third and fives that were that were the issue in that game. Their, their third down offense has not been good. But the offense as a whole has been great. Um, we, we, we're so... And the, like, look, the last four drives happened uh, of the Boston College game, but I feel like that's so much tainting our view of what this offense has been. Right. Like, again, go ask LSU if Florida State has a pretty good offense. Yeah. Like, they they had they they couldn't get a Florida State scored their last six possessions, hmm. five they five touchdowns and a field goal against LSU, and then ask Southern Miss, who again lost to Tulane but gave up 21 points, and they had. Uh, you know, F- Florida State, even though we didn't even think the offense played well, put up 60 points on them. So in Boston College, for the first six drives, gave up five scores. It's just those last four drives are kind of lingering. Like I, if you if you flipped it, in the first four drives, you did nothing. Mm. And then the last five drives, six drives, you scored f- 31 points. I feel like you'd feel like maybe Georgia fans feel yeah, this week. Yeah, but, but that it's, matters. I know it's though, not what man. happened. Yeah. It, it was. It felt more like a meltdown, but you know Georgia scored three points and a half at home against South Carolina. And then when it came time to putting their foot down, they put their foot down. They kept it. Yeah, but it there. wouldn't you say this team has shown a penchant for doing that? Yeah, like, but then t- they let their foot up. I mean, no, I know, but I, I guess look, man, that that I, I do think that was just uh, an anomaly. I, I think this I team hope is it was. I do. is the LSU game. I, I mean, the LSU yeah. game happened, right? And the Southern Miss game happened, and they're on a nine-game winning streak. Like, this team knows how to win. Tip Of those nine wins, six have been absolute rumps. And then there have been three one-possession wins. So they've shown in these nine wins they can win close, they can win with defense, they can win with offense, and they can blow teams the F out. Now, it's just sitting with us because that was such a – this was the worst game of the nine was right. the one they just won, clearly. they they But even in that game, they had a 28 nothing run. So they, they can be dominant. I think this offense is, like you say, that night in Doak. Uh, look, I we think the defense can be good. And I know good is subjective, but good. Guys, look good. Top 25-ish. Yeah. Good. Top 20-ish. Good. This offense could be the best offense in the country. It might not score the most points because it doesn't play at the pace that other offenses play at. But it can be the best offense in the country. And until the last four drives on Saturday, it probably was. Again, the last 20 possessions, they had scored 17 times in uh, 14 touchdowns. That's an incredible percentage. Like, it's real teams. Um, So the the point being, I I think that this offense has the chance with Keon, Jaheim, Johnny, Trey Benson get going, Jordan Travis is – is Jordan Travis. And then you've got all these, you've got all these, as good as I think this offense has been, it's like, where's Destin Hill? Right. Where's Winston Wright? Let's, let's see what Rodney Hill can do. Like it's, they still got more weapons to utilize. 
which which I think should get you excited. Yeah. Right? But yeah. what a test this is going to be for them. Because it's always harder to score on the road. We get that. We understand that. But what a neat test it is for this offense, who I think is one of the best offenses in the country, um, to go on the road in that environment after a bad showing in the second half and kind of pre- reestablish itself as one of the best units in the United States, which yeah. I think it is. No, they need to, man. I don't think that's being rude or uh, no, irrational. No, yeah, clearly. Just, I agree with you. Uh, it, it just, you know, you, you feel like – I'm not looking back at those games last year, but, I mean, it's valid what you, you bring up. But it just – you know that if you play the way you played against Boston College, which you're obviously capable of, unfortunately, now. Like, if sure. you play like that against a team like Clemson on the road, like, it's it's not going to end nicely. But, again, we're hoping that they've, they've learned those lessons – They'll they'll recapture who they were, which is the way they played against LSU, uh, because I don't think I don't think LSU was an anomaly. I don't think that was some sort of smoke and mirrors weird. I mean that was I mean Brian Kelly was was hurt, man. He was crushed. Like his team yeah. got humiliated and pounded uh, because that's how great Florida State played. So just it's all about that. And, and I mentioned in the interview that we'll play later on too, man. Like if if that was week one. Right, like if the Boston College game was Week One, and then they played Southern Miss Week Two, and they're coming off the LSU game, you know, or vice versa, where it was, you know, maybe Clemson opening up with Charleston Southern FA, but then they lose the way they did yeah. against Duke. It's just everything, the way everything's blended together. Florida State, you know, not having their best showing going into this game. Clemson having their best showing going to this game just gives you a little bit more trepidation. But ultimately, I, I I reside on your side of this fence here, where I still do think Florida State. I mean, I know Florida State's more talented. I think Florida State wins because of yeah, that. Yeah, and I, it, it, wouldn't you be surprised? I mean, not not stunned beyond belief, but wouldn't you be surprised if they played mediocre to bad two games in a row? That would just surprise me. Yeah, but then that would be really that'd be problematic, though. I think, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I just, I don't, I, I just think that look, man, they might only score. I say only if they score thirty-one points on Clemson, that's a good showing, man. Clemson doesn't give up points like that. And you right. can look at Duke and say Duke had twenty-eight. I think Duke had seven in the fourth quarter, or ten, or something. Well, they, and most of that was because of the defense. Yeah, like, the turnovers. I mean, yeah, Clemson was turning the ball kid, over. And they they have a apparently a first round quarterback, and they had yeah. their offense didn't do much at all against Clemson for a, a large swath of that game. Yeah. Clemson's got a good defense. And if you can score 31 on them, it does not mean the offense is struggling. Yeah. It means that Clemson has really good defenders. They're probably coached pretty well. And, you know, it's not always easy to score. But I, I just think that this thir- if they score 31 in Death Valley, I don't think that means the offense has hit this plateau. I just think that the Boston game was weird and that good offenses don't always score 50 points, especially on the road in an environment like that against players like that. Uh, that said, I expect them to play well. I don't know what playing well looks like in that environment. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. is, is that 51 to 14? Probably not. No. But could they win 31 to 20? That to me is playing well. 34 to 23? Those are, those are, that's a big win. Those are good score. That's a big time score in an environment like that against a team you haven't beaten in almost a decade. Um, and I just, I would just be surprised. The defense is going to be the defense. It's going to make you – I've come to the come to grips with this. Maybe I'm wrong because it's only three games and I should give them more time. They are going to give up some plays that make you throw your hands in the air. That's something they didn't do a lot of last year. Wave they them around like you just don't care or throw them up in the air? No, throw them up like in frustration. Okay. Like how does that happen? No. I, I just think that's going to happen. But – Every like team does. About, Every team does. Spencer yeah, Rattler right. That's was, what I was like saying. 16 out of 18 against Georgia in the first half or whatever. Correct. And Georgia's a great defense. Yeah. You were going to give up yards. Clemson's given up yards. But, you know, again, if this if this defense, as much grief as Adam Fuller got, and rightfully so for the, the third down nonsense and the easy throws to start the game, they gave up 22 points on the road against a quarterback that got hot. That's And had a, a stop when the game was on the line. It made them punt and also got a turnover that led to a score. Like they did some okay things and they they held them to 22 points. Like that did happen. They held what they held. What did LSU get? 17 before the last throw. Sounds about right. Yeah. yeah I mean, and those are you know good good 
I think dynamic quarterbacks. Yeah. I was going to say good offenses. LSU's got a great offense, I think, with some really talented receivers. I don't know about Boston College. You made them look better than they are, which is a problem. But again, point being, if the defense can play like it did on Sunday, as much as you want to, we want to wring our hands and hold a team to 22 points, if you can't win a game where you we only give up 22 on the road, well, that's on the offense. And the offense, in my opinion, is all is why they almost lost the game on Saturday. And I just trust with this quarterback and these weapons and this coach, it'll look a lot better than it did at the end of that game. And I expect them to play well. I just would be really surprised if they played poorly for what f- four quarters in a row, hmm. three quarters in a row. That just I don't I don't see that happening. John Blau from the Post and Courier coming up, but first, Vitamin Energy is available online at Amazon Prime, Walmart, GNC. Also, if you're in a pinch, you can find it in person at Pilot, Flying J, Circle K's, TA's, Sonoco's, Town Pumps. Shout out Town Pump, Montana. But go to vitaminenergy.com because what you can't do at Amazon Prime or Circle K is buy one and get one free. So go to vitaminenergy.com, use the promo code WARCHAMPBOGO, that's WARCHAMP, B-O-G-O, and buy an item, get an equal or lesser value item for absolutely free. Corey, I think they've made some new ones. I think we're getting some new SKUs thrown our way. Uh, they're in transit. What could they possibly have waiting for us? I, I mean, can't wait to see, man. I, I mean, don't know. I can't even fathom. I, I can't either. Uh, I mean, they've boosted our workouts, our focus, our mood, our immune mm. system. But there's a great beyond out there that they're trying to scratch the surface on. They're climbing for it. They're, they're finding that edge. Find your edge. Shake it and take it. Vitaminenergy.com. It is energy with benefits. Vitamins different in all these potions. I shouldn't call them potions. Different varieties. Mm. All there for your liking and choosing. Again, vitaminenergy.com. Promo code is WordChamp BOGO. John Blau coming up right after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, as we said, try to get a little bit more insight into the Clemson Tigers. So we turn to our friend John Blau. Over in Charleston, South Carolina with the Post and Courier. John, thanks for coming and hanging out here, man. I know you just came back from Dabo's uh, press conference. Uh, what was the uh, the soup du jour from, from old coach? Uh, apparently some kicking woes that he's, he's trying to get remedied in, in a very unorthodox fashion, it sounds like. Yeah, they just uh, got a former walk-on kicker, Jonathan Whites, who was not on the roster this year, who was actually, for the previous four years, BT Potter's backup. Um, Robert Gunn, the third, the redshirt freshman, has only made one of four kicks on the year, missed an extra point. So they brought uh, Jonathan Whites back, who was studying, uh, I think, financial management, getting a master's degree virtually in Charleston. Uh, so they literally, I think Dabo literally called him on Sunday and asked him if he'd like to, you know, come and maybe possibly kick against the Knolls on Saturday. And then uh, Jonathan Whites basically who hasn't kicked a football i think since last april went out kicked a few see if it if his leg was still working uh drove back to clemson has made seven of eight field goals in practice i think on monday he did and uh now he's the guy who's gonna be starting a kicker for clemson so yeah a lot of uh very unusual things happening here when it comes to special teams what a time to be alive. Just all sorts of different kinds of flavors of free agency. So uh, tip of the cap to Dabo for trying to get these things fixed. Um, John, you know, if this game would have been played two weeks ago, I don't know what the line would have looked like. I would have felt much more optimistic than I do now, uh, especially after the way I saw Florida State practice on Tuesday. I did not see the sort of crispness, the the urgency, the just the overall uh, execution at a high level that we saw to them leading into that LSU game. Um, and I'm sure Clemson fans did not feel all that great coming off that loss in Durham against Duke. But I don't, these two games, obviously, Charleston Southern, FAU, not, you know, power five, top of the food chain, ACC caliber. But ha- has it given a, a new sort of confidence to this, this team or uh, are they just chomping at the bit to get at FSU and, and prove who they really are? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously you mentioned that Duke game. 
filled with turnovers. I mean, just a ton of possessions where they're inside the 10 yard line and do not get any points. Um, and you saw a little bit of that again in the Charleston Southern game. The first half, they actually trail Charleston Southern 14 to seven for a period of time because Katie Klubnick, the quarterback, uh, fumbles a snap, sets Charleston Southern up at the one yard line for a touchdown run. And then they, you know, Kate Klubnick was trying to throw a ball away and it doesn't go out of bounds and it's a pick six. Um, so 14 to seven, you're behind. But then they end up routing them 66 to 17. And then against Florida Atlantic, you saw Klubnick and the offense continue to get more of a rhythm. Klubnick seemed more comfortable. The Florida Atlantic game, like you said, a week ago, I still think Clemson fans might have been a little worried about going into this Florida State game because of some of the mistakes that Klubnick and the offense was were making against Charleston Southern. But the Florida Atlantic game was pretty crisp. Um, up 34 to nothing at halftime. Klubnick was in rhythm finding his guys uh, short, intermediate, deep. Even made an audible for a touchdown throw. Adjusted a route that was supposed to be a fade to a to a nice post to their freshman slot wide receiver uh, Tyler Brown. Uh, they did slow down a little bit in that third quarter uh, offensively, but again, forty eight to fourteen, very crisp, very clean. Did not turn the ball over like they did in the uh, Duke and Charleston Southern game. So I think Clemson, yeah, is feeling a lot better about things coming into Florida State, but obviously different level of play. Um, in terms of an ACC opponent and an ACC opponent of the caliber, uh, the caliber of Florida State. So, um, yeah, a lot more confident, but still a lot of questions as we go into this game from the Clemson perspective. Uh, would one of those questions maybe be offensive playmakers outside of, you know, Shipley here and, and the wide receivers? Because I, I know watching the Duke game and hearing, you know, Tom Luganbill, who was on the sideline, said that, listen, I have not seen any disparity in team speed between Duke and Clemson. And for so long, Clemson's been highlighted by these just ridiculous freaks at wide receiver. And I know Antonio Williams had a, had a strong freshman season. Tyler Brown kind of came out of nowhere and had a really strong game against FAU. Um, is it is the passing game, is it still obviously the, is the brunt of it on Clay, Kate Klubnick to figure it out? Or uh, does Clemson maybe not have the horses that one has grown accustomed to seeing them roll out year after year, apparently? Yeah, as far as wide receiver, that is one of the bigger questions that we're still waiting to be answered. I mean, Bo Collins, the junior, um, was limited last year because of uh, shoulder issues. Um, you know, Dabo Sweeney's po- pointed to him multiple times and said he's the, the guy at receiver. They expect a big year from him. I mean, he was a four high four-star recruit coming out of high school, played with DJ Uyungle at St. John Bosco. Um is a guy who has pro aspirations and they think can be a number one receiver um, had 137 yards against Charleston Southern. But again, it's just, it's Charleston Southern. Um, so you're still kind of waiting to see if he's going to produce week to week. Adam Randall's a sophomore, again, another highly recruited guy. Um, Garrett Riley said in yesterday's press conference that, you know, just getting him to play fast at all times is still kind of his, his deal where he's still in progress there. Uh, and then also at receiver, Cole Turner was one of the guys who was, uh, if anything, a burner. I mean, a guy with with great speed could really take up the top off of defenses. He's out for the year uh, with some torn muscles in his abductor, um, so in his leg. So, uh, yeah, the receiver situation is still figuring out. Tyler Brown, again, I mentioned him earlier. He's been a big boost in the slot, freshman. Um, I think they're excited about him. But, yeah, who's going to produce week to week? Right now it really seems like an offense where they're going to lean. Uh, I know some people thought this – term is kind of funny but you know Garrett Raid's not ex- uh, Garrett Riley's not exactly air raid he's quote unquote dirt raid because he likes to run the ball a lot um and they do have the offensive line they do have some of those horses and, and Will Shipley and Phil Moffa to run the ball uh whether they have the the you know receivers to kind of offset that's a question but I do think they lean heavy run uh, when they can and uh yeah it'll be interesting to see how it matches up with Florida State's defense how do you think Dabo feels about Cade Klubnik right now? Um, Cade seemed all world coming out of high school, what he did in Austin. Uh, and I know he's young and it's crazy to, to talk like this for a kid that's going in, I don't know, maybe his fifth start or whatever, but um, was there expectations that things would look a little bit more crisp, that he would be maybe a little bit more refined and polished or uh, are these growing pains kind of expected thus far? Yeah. I mean, the way the coaching staffs talked about it, they, they would say, more expected. Um, Dabo Sweeney likes to compare this to 2011. Uh, Taj Boyd, obviously, was a great quarterback for Clemson. He remembers Chad Morris, the offensive coordinator at the time, wanting to, quote-unquote, eat his headset because of some of the mistakes that Taj Boyd was making. 
in his first year as a starting quarterback. And Garrett Riley's a different guy, more of a chill, laid-back guy. He's not going to eat his headset, but um, he's definitely working through some of this stuff with Klubnik. And um, Dabo Sweeney's a proponent of, and he's brought it up a million times, would love there to be preseason games in college football. Um, the, Duke, the Duke game was almost like a preseason game, but obviously it counted because it was the first one. And he thinks some of these mistakes and some of the lack of comfort you've seen from Klubnik is just a sophomore quarterback who did not start a full season, who's kind of getting caught up to the speed of the game. Um, obviously, we'll see. I mean, if that's the case, it's going to be, again, very interesting to see Klubnik against a defense uh, of this caliber uh, with Florida State, just the athletes that Florida State has. I know they had some struggles last week against Boston College, but it'll be interesting to see Klubnik match up with that. And if he if he can, you know, stay up to pace with the speed of the game, because again, early in the year, Duke did not seem very comfortable, seemed more comfortable as we've gone along here, the Charleston Southern and Florida Atlantic. But again, another huge step up with a team like FSU. So Reason to be concerned, but will it actually be a concern at the end of the day on game day? I guess we'll see. Yeah. You know, there were some comments I think Dabo made about, you know, Garrett Riley and, you know, coordinating the Clemson offense. There, there's kind of a, a brand. Uh, there's an identity, a culture when it comes to offense at, at Clemson. And, and Garrett's just kind of trying to figure out, I guess, maybe his spin on what Dabo wants. Um, does it ultimately, though, still feel kind of similar to years past, or at least recent history here where it all kind of falls on Will Shipley, and then they'll, they'll go from there. Yeah, I mean, for right now, I think the running game is definitely their strength. I mean, I think they have to set it up with that first, uh, just because they had that experience on the offensive line. I mean, they brought back four or five starters. Uh, left tackle, obviously, an important position. They're replacing that, and they're kind of rotating two guys there. Uh, but, yeah, you have two experienced running backs in Phil Moffa and Will Shipley. I, I think it starts there. Ran, I think, you know, Dabo Sweeney said after the Duke game that the comment that a lot of people were a little, uh, you know, scratching their heads about was, you know, I'll take this offensive performance every week. And what all he was saying was, you know, rushing for 200, passing for 200. I think they had been 58-0 in Clemson's history and Dabo Sweeney's history there at Clemson when they rushed for over 200 and passed for over 200. So I think they like that balance. Um, I, I think that quote that you're kind of referencing, I guess, that Dabo said in a pregame interview with ESPN, I think it's a little misunderstood. I think he was just saying that, that they work collaboratively. It is very much Garrett Riley's offense. He's always been this way in terms of balance. Again, the quote unquote dirt raid. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I think, you know, Garrett Riley's going to ride what he has. Uh, I think right now, a lot of the strength of this offense is the running game, especially Klubnik, uh, the speed that he has and the ability to make plays in the option game. Um, but yeah, as it comes along, it might, you know, be able to threaten a little more through the pass. But question marks, you got a receiver. Question marks, you got a quarterback. I think it, it, the thing you really want to ride right now is that running game, and, and that's what they're doing as much as they can. You know, defensively, the beat goes on. They they overwhelmed, you know, Florida Atlantic and, and Charleston Southern after that first half. The Duke game is probably misleading because of all the sort of, uh, you know, predicaments they were put in by the offense. Um I mean, you know, we're finally seeing, I guess, maybe Xavier Thomas finally healthy, finally kind of able to live up to his potential. Just, I know the linebackers will go kind of maybe level by level here, but just starting up front, maybe not, you know, Cleland Farrell and, and you know, Dexter Lawrence, but are, are they close to maybe being at that elite level that they'd kind of grown accustomed to during their run? Yeah, it's more inside out, I would say. I mean, at defensive tackle, they're about as good as they've been with, you know, Tyler Davis, Ruka Roro, um, Peter Woods is the star freshman. Um, who I think bench press is like 475 pounds, just an incredibly physically developed freshman. Um, and then they've got guys behind that too. So a defensive tackle up the middle, they're, they're incredibly strong. Uh, it's a defensive end where, you know, again, you bring up an Xavier Thomas, a Justin Maskell. Are they getting the insane pass rush um, that you'd like to see? Uh, I haven't quite seen that yet. One of the better defensive ends in terms of getting pressure and getting behind the line of scrimmage has actually been TJ Parker as a freshman a highly touted guy out of Alabama. Um, he's been a good player as well. Uh, but again, I would say I would say the strength of the defensive lines at tackle um, at end, we're still kind of waiting to see, you know, if Xavier Thomas is really going to have that big game like he did last year. He had a couple of sacks and just six snaps at Boston College before he broke his foot again. Um, he had, a again, uh, I think he's had a sack or two here early, um, but again, against FCS or, you know, lower level opponents. So, it's kind of a, a wait and see at defensive end on the edge. And 
that the edge will be really important against a team like Florida State. They can run the ball. Uh, obviously, Travis is going to you know try to get you know away from you, and they're going to run some off tackle stuff. I'm sure in the running game. So uh, it's going to be an interesting matchup to see how Clemson fares there for sure. I don't know how many teams are still running four three. It's it's still probably the uh, you know go to defense for most folks out there, but probably not a better uh, triplet there of uh, linebacker play when it comes to you know Woodaz and, and Jeremiah Trotter Jr. and uh, Barrett Carter. So what have they been able to kind of create and produce? I mean, on this show, which you don't listen to, which you know I don't I won't subject you to that, John. But uh, I just you know I, I wonder like what does good linebacker play really result in in the year twenty twenty three with just how dynamic offenses are but what do those three kind of mean to the to the Clemson defense right now does it seem like yeah again like you said four three is kind of you know old-fashioned nowadays and and would as who plays that strong side quote-unquote nickel role I mean he'll rotate uh on and off the field you'll sometimes see a, a DB in there and it's actually been recently not Andrew Makuba the junior who's actually been out a couple games but Khalil Barnes who's a freshman has made a ton of plays from that position but when would is on the field he's been Dynamic, too. He can play some weak side linebacker as well. He's got two picks already this year. One was a pick six. Um, he had another uh, interception that he took back about 50 yards. He's a former you know, high school safety. He's a great athlete. And, again, you mentioned Barrett Carter and Jeremiah Trotter Jr. I think those names kind of speak for themselves in terms of uh, the accolades they racked up last year and uh, what they're capable of doing. I mean, just two incredibly um, athletic um, guys who obviously can rack up tackles and bunches in the run game. And, you know, Jeremiah Trotter Jr. had a pick six in, in the South Carolina game. Bear Carter's hurling guys when he's blitzing uh, in the Louisville game. I mean, these are guys that are very capable of making big plays at linebacker. Um, and, yeah, with what they got in front of them at defensive tackle, they have the ability to run free. And so, again, it'll be interesting to see uh, whether maybe somebody's going to be spying Jordan Travis, as well, whether it's one of those three guys. Uh, and then also whether, you know, his defensive tackles kind of, you know, create openings for linebackers to get in the backfield and make some big plays because they're certainly capable of doing it. I mean, nothing against, you know, Duke and, and Charleston Southern and FAU, but certainly I don't think Clemson's going to see or has not seen sort of the the weaponry, just the absolute, you know, physical kind of superiority of, of a, a wide receiver core the way that Florida State has with Johnny Wilson being six foot seven and Keon Coleman being six foot four and what Jaheim Bell can do. You know, this secondary has always been sneaky, uh, really solid uh, for Clemson over the years. I, I know guys like Sheridan Jones and Nate Wiggins are kind of you know pacing the play for uh, the Clemson secondary. Just how confident do you think they are in being able to, I don't know, maybe not so much match up man-to-man against this Florida State receiving core, but just being able to maybe contain and uh, limit the big plays? Right, exactly. I think the big plays is all they're trying to limit. They, they know, you know, Florida State's going to get – a few, I mean, Johnny Wilson's just way too tall to, to not catch a pass. Uh, Nate Wakens is six two, and I think Sheridan Jones is six foot. So they they have taller, longer corners, which helps a little bit. Um, but you know, Johnny Wilson's just a freak. I mean, in terms of the way he's uh, built and how he can run, and and Keon Coleman adds another veteran presence, like you said, a wide receiver, a big physical guy. So it's going to be interesting because because again, I'll go, I'll go back to what you said. I mean, Charleston Southern, FAU. Uh, Clemson has absolutely not seen a, a receiving core like this. Duke was able to make some plays. Uh, Riley Leonard was with his receiving core as well. Some smaller, quicker guys, so it's a little bit of a different matchup. But, um, yeah, it's going to be a huge test uh, for this secondary. And uh, they're more mature. They're better than they were last year. I mean, they had a ton of injuries last year, a ton of younger players rotating in and out, had some busts. Uh, I think they're in a better position this year. Um but again, it's going to be whether you can get rush on Travis, where you can make him uncomfortable, keep him contained, and then uh, contest and box out as much as you can uh, when you're going up against a guy like Wilson. But uh, they're going to win some, and you got to hope they don't win a whole lot. I, I think it's kind of the best case scenario. Feel free to make a prediction, John. But just kind of wondering how you see this this game playing out because again, I just if this game was played last week, I you know I probably would say the Florida State's going to win comfortably, like maybe even two scores comfortably. But after the way they played against Boston College and the seeming sort of confidence that Clemson has built up, I'm maybe a little bit more hesitant. But like, have these two performances, mainly I guess the FAU game, because the Charleston Southern game was such a slog for one half. I know there's still questions out there, uh, but those questions, is it more so things that Clemson hasn't done that they need to be able to do against Florida State? Or is it stuff that they're capable of doing that you've seen them do in the past and just being consistently able to do that in a game of this magnitude? 
Yeah, I think it's the latter. Uh, I think it's that, again, we saw some really good things in an FAU game. Uh, saw some good things in the Charleston Southern game, too, but it, it's not Florida State. And you have a first-year full-time starter in Kate Klubnick. Uh, you have a rotation right now at left tackle, um, which, again, you're talking about edge rushers like Jared Verse. I mean, are going to be able to protect the quarterback who's in his first full year? And, um, you know, defensively, you haven't seen an offense like this. And Jordan Travis has given you issues in the past in terms of his ability to scramble and bust off big plays. So uh, if I don't have to make a prediction, I, I don't want to. But, I mean, I would probably favor Florida State right now just because I just think, you know, again, number four team in the nation, Clemson still got things to prove. I mean, I'd say maybe like 27-24. Uh, would be the prediction. Um, but obviously, again, I hate doing it because I know I'll be wrong. But but it's uh, – yeah, I think Florida State's the favorite for, for a good reason right now. But Clemson, if they play their best, is certainly capable of winning the game. John Blau from the Post and Courier. Follow him on the old Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. John without the H. Who needs the H? Underscore Blau, B-L-A-U. John, thanks for the time. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. MyBookie.ag, bet anything, anytime, anywhere. Use the promo code WordChant when you sign up. You'll get an instant cash deposit bonus, which means you have more to play with than what you showed up with. That's pretty cool, right? Um, I guess it's pretty cool that Jordan Travis's odds are now plus 900 to win the Heisman. It was like plus 1150 before the Boston College game. So apparently they're not scared by the Boston College game and they've improved Jordan's odds. Then maybe we shouldn't be either, right? Only Quinn Ewers, who's actually also plus 900, Michael Penix Jr. and Caleb Williams, the only two ahead of Jordan right now. And it's going to be tough for Caleb to repeat, right? You know? And then he's going to play Michael Penix, and Penix might win. But then Penix has got to play Oregon. It's all going to work out in the wash. Jordan's still a good value. Check it out over at mybookie.ag. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere. Just use that promo code WARCHANT when you sign up for the first time to enjoy your instant cash deposit bonus. Uh, Thanks to John. Uh, some good stuff in there. Of course, I wanted to bring it back to Florida State real quick. Uh, you know, we did get to speak to Jared Verse after practice on Tuesday. Yeah. I thought he had some really revealing comments when it came to being asked about, you know, maybe not producing at the level he was expecting. And, you know, he was pretty forthright about it. Admit, it, it admitted that, yeah, he's, he was a little bit concerned. Uh, you know, listen, it's it's a money year for him. He, we all know what's going on here and, and what's in the back of his mind, maybe in the front of his mind at times. But he said that, you know, coming out of the USM game, he was really frustrated, uh, but he spoke to Coach Norvell after that game. He said it changed his life. Um, so I, I feel really good about Jared, where he's at, where he can be, and, and what he's going to have to do against Clemson. And maybe he's one of those guys that I think right now, Corey, no one's been in this situation before. All these guys have come from disparate sort of situations at, at previous schools and, and might be you know true freshmen red shirt freshmen things like that like who's going to be the calming force or like that rowdy guy that's going to go make a big play early on to set the tempo for this team man uh you know Jordan Travis has his way of leading man it would be really nice to see Jared Verse you know help out maybe on on a three and out and push Clemson back maybe five six yards on a TFL or a sack uh, you need to make those kind of plays in this kind of game. Jared, maybe it's time for him to to make those flash plays that mm. we're expecting out of him. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, the whole saying about big-time players, right? Mm. And um, and he's he's made some plays. You know, he almost had a, uh, a fumble. He, he, what, he hit? Did he force an interception against he, LSU? I don't remember the – or did Jay Daniels of, just throw it? No, it was it – was, Oh, I thought you were talking about USM. USM, yeah, he was... USM, he did. Yeah. Uh, and then I, yeah, and then I think on this one, the one on Saturday, I think he was in that kid's face when he threw it. Um, and then obviously he almost had the strip sack against LSU by a millisecond. He didn't, he didn't right. get there. But look, man, I, I think that um, I, I agree. I, I think he's played well. If you look at the PFF, and I know those aren't the holy grail, but I think they, it bears out that he's played well. Um, you know, he is getting double teamed a lot. He's getting chipped by tight ends and running backs a lot, something he didn't have to do deal with a whole lot last year. Um, but he's he's I mean, I just I like the way he's played. He's played. Uh, he's been really competitive. Isn't the word I'm looking for, but relentless. Hmm. There you go. That's the word I'm looking for. I, I just I've loved the way he played. I like the way he played against Boston College. I didn't like that. He stood up so much, but I think that's the way they were rushing because that kid was such a unique uh, presence in the pocket 
but I, I, I foresee him having a nice game in this one. I think Clemson will probably think maybe they can block him one-on-one. Certainly his numbers don't scare him. So maybe they leave their left tackle more on an island. And our right tackle, wherever verse lines up, usually it's against the, the left tackle. And we'll see how that works out. But it's time for him to start really impacting games. I, I When he was talking about playing at Clemson, you could see how excited he was. Yeah. Like, again, man, he's had some cool moments. Uh, you know, but this at the, coming from Albany, being a zero-star recruit out of high school, and then coming from Albany – and now he's a, a potential first-round pick, a probable first-round pick, playing on the number three team in the country, going to be in Death Valley on Saturday. Like, he, you could tell how much he's looking forward to it. And I think that's a really cool thing about this team is they are old, they are experienced, but how many of them have been, have been in a situation like this? Yeah, yeah. You know, Jordan has. Jordan's lived it, which is who you want. You want a quarterback that's been in that environment. He played, a, I think, a... Was Clemson good in 21? They were. They had a really good defense in 21. I remember that. They saw it Venables. Right. Yeah. And he was three minutes from winning that game. He didn't play well in that game. He was thrown to Andrew Parchment. He didn't play well, but he still threw for two touchdowns. And they had the lead with three minutes to go. He did play, He did enough. Um, the defense kind of let it down. Let him down at the end. But anyway, he was still the best quarterback on the field that day in that environment. So you know the environment won't won't bother him. He's been in this. But you think about Byers and Roddick yep. and Verse, even Finchrell Cypress, man, Fisk. Fisk. Yeah. But yeah, that's a good one too. But even like Cypress, uh, he's played in, I assume he's played at Death Valley before, but he's at Virginia, man. Those Clemson fans show up because they're good fans, but that's not the atmosphere. The Virginia Clemson atmosphere isn't going, isn't anywhere close to what it's going to be on Saturday. So all these guys are kind of experiencing this for the first time. And I think, just just talking to Jared, I think they're kind of giddy about it. Like like literally excited about it. Not scared, not nervous, but excited about the opportunity to play in an environment like that as the number three team in the country. With the whole nation watching because all the good games are after them. So I do think there's going to be a huge amount of people in the country. It's the, it's the marquee game of, of the noon window. And it's going to be a really neat opportunity for them. Keon Coleman. Like he, like again, he's he played at Michigan State, so he's played Ohio State and Michigan. I get it, but I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think those games were close. I don't think anybody expected Michigan State to win. Like it's a new, it's a new situation for him, and I, I'm just really excited to see how these guys all play because I think it's, I, I think you'd rather get your dud and your stinker out of the way the week before, and they Absolutely. did. And but the the one the one caveat right is that and we talked about this a little bit but maybe not enough is this offense when it was up thirty one to ten and it got the ball back at midfield everybody on that sideline maybe everybody watching on TV thought this was the best offense in the United States I think everybody on that sideline thought they were the best offense in the United States I think they thought they were about to go score fifty again hmm. so in confidence is awesome. But now after four drives and spiraling like they did and not really answering the challenge at all when the defense needed them to respond, take some time off the clock, get some first downs, you know, get some points and ice the game, and they couldn't do it, does the confidence take a hit? That's what you worry about. Because I don't think it will because they are so experienced and Jordan's played so much football. I don't think the confidence will take a hit. But what if they go three and out on their first drive on Saturday? Does all, do all of a sudden they start doubting themselves? Because that's where it could go. That's where the Boston College game could have the negative impact. I don't think it will, but that, that is a possibility that we need to, you know, at least entertain is that, you, you, you know, when you play poorly for, for four straight drives, when you think you're the when you think you're the best team in the country. Yes, it's a good it's a good wake up call. It's a good lesson, but you don't want it to just rob you of confidence and belief. Yeah, don't think it will. Because there ain't a lot of teams that have Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman and Trey Benson and, and Jaheim Bell and Jordan Travis in an offensive line that's older than the Cowboys' offensive line. But, you know, we'll see, right? We'll see how they respond the first time they have to punt. Or if they have to punt two times in a row, can they get it back going and get on a roll and take over a game like they have so far in every game they've played? 
I mean, I think there was going to be lead changes in this game, but man, just what it would do for Florida State to execute one of their, you know, vintage scripted drives and then to knock Clemson back a few yards on their opening drive. Uh, not saying like they're going to run away with it, but golly, that would just be the uh, obviously the, the ideal start, and I think uh, exactly what they need so that that doubt doesn't creep in. And it's probably me projecting. I just I do wonder again, man, like, who is that guy that's going to be able to? Like, who are they looking at right now? Because I, man, Jordan leads, but like not in this kind of rah rah grab your face mask. We're not losing this game. I'm not letting us lose this game kind of way. And you know maybe this is one of those games where you need that kind of guy. That's why I think Verse could be that guy. Maybe the defense is able to create negative plays to, to help the offense out. But, you know, Jaheim's been there. Jaheim's got part of that, you know, uh, title is in his name. That's right. He's, he won there last year. Yeah. So That's right. Knocked him off that perch so he can tell yeah. him about what it takes to win in that. Did you remember Clemson was, like, number four in the country when that game play, was played? They were, wow, like, 10-1. Really? and one. Jeez. Do you remember that? What was their other loss? They lost to not Florida State. Who'd they lose to? I don't remember who they lost to last year, but they had a loss. But they were still in the playoff conversation, and then they lost at home to South Carolina, and that ended that. And then uh, DJ transferred, and Klubnik took over. Yeah. Um, I'm going to find it right here. Everyone's yelling at us. How do you guys know I know you cover Florida State? Notre Dame, uh, 35-14. to 14. Wow. I don't remember that at all. Yeah, it happened, apparently. All right. right. I believe you. I just don't remember anything about that game. Yeah, it was two games after uh, Florida State. Man, they – Syracuse was 14th when they played them. Yeah. So that's why I'm not buying Syracuse. But I, I get it. I get it. You know, it's a, it's a challenge, possibly, maybe, probably not. But anyhow. Uh, and then, yeah, they lost to South Carolina 31-30. to So. Yep. All right. That's a wrap for us then. Uh, let's go oh, back. We're done. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about? Um, What did I want to say? Oh, I thought, I th- not that anybody really cares. I thought Rodemaker looked good. Okay. On Tuesday, if we want to go back to practice a little bit, um, I thought that was uh, I thought that was good to see. He threw some ropes. Um, Johnny caught everything and looked good doing it. And it's weird about Johnny, man. Um, why do you think he's always so open? <laughs> I know I, I feel like I ask this all the time, but it's not. He's not. It's not like he just gets open because he's tall. They're not. When we watch them in practice, you know what I mean. Like he's yeah. always a couple of yards clear of whoever's trying to cover him. Or like he's it, in the middle of the field open. Yeah. They play off of him, I'm guessing, and they probably, you know, they're not all that physical and jamming guys in practice. So maybe but that's But I don't think they can jam him anyway because he's too long and he just yeah. he pushes them aside. But he gets he gets open on all different kinds of routes. He's not a one-route pony. Mm. I don't think he, he caught one fade, like one sideline pass in that game against Boston College. He still had 100 yards. He just he catches all types of balls, and we know he does other things. Uh, he he does he drops all kinds too. I, I get it, but he he is so unique with that skill with that body size to be able to get open. Not just hey, I can catch it because you I'm bigger than you and you can't get around me, but actually shake guys that are six foot and get free. Even though he's not the fastest guy by any means, he always gets two steps on a guy. Always, Seemingly, it's just yeah. weird. Yeah. Good for him. That's why he could be if he can hand if he can take care of the the catching part of it. He should be in the league for a long, long time because he's just he's a unique guy. Clemson doesn't have an answer for him because nobody does. It's just a matter of if he's if he's going to play well. But again, I think he will. I think the team will. I thought the offense looked fine. Uh, Keon had a long catch in one on ones over Greedy Vance, like a fifty yarder. Um, well, it would have been an eighty yarder actually. He was free for a touchdown. That was good to see. Um, and then just moving forward, Ira asked Norvell about it, but I would like them to see, I guess their slot, I, when we ask about the slot receivers, because I think Destin Hill's got one catch. I think Winston Wright's got one or two catches. Like, they're not getting a lot from their slot guys. Yeah. But then Jaheim Bell is right. a slot guy. Yep. He counts. Morlock. And you know. Jaheim Bell's got three touchdowns and really should have four. Um, I can't. I still can't believe I they can't took either. that touchdown off the board. That was... Or they didn't even take it off the board. And that referee's a coward. Like, rule it a touchdown because you know it's going to be reviewed anyway. Good point. And it was an all-time great athletic move to have his legs off the ground as he's extending it over the goal line. Not only did he rob Jaheim of a touchdown, he robbed Jordan Travis of a touchdown. Um, it cost a touchdown him the Heisman. Pass. could cost him the Heisman. Probably cost him the Heisman right there. Unbelievable. And I, I wanted to say, I don't think I said this yesterday. Maybe I did. 
because somebody on headlines asked something about um, what what's what's to explain Jordan Travis's lackluster start. And I took oh. I took a lot of exception to the word lackluster. I feel like I could I can feel it. I can. Feel yeah, I mean, it. I mean, he's been look. We, he, I know he's raised the level of expectation, but when you're scoring 17 of 20 times, your quarterback's doing all right. Like the last four, I get it. Did not play well. In the one play that we all keep coming back into is the throw to Johnny on third down when he had Toa Feely in front of him. I think against Clemson, he will take more of what's open. I think he will look and scan and see the field. And, and just take what's open more than forcing it to Johnny on a third and three in a spot like that. But Jordan Travis has played exceptionally well, um, especially compared to like, I don't know, 2021 Jordan Travis, Alex Hornibrook, other quarterbacks around the country, not named who Shadour, Penix and Caleb Williams. Like he's been better than Drake may. Bone um, X. Yeah. And so I, I just like we, we have high expectations for him and you can't be a victim of that. But I think Jordan Travis has played uh, well and we, you know, he was awesome in the second half against LSU. And even he made a couple of ridiculous throws in the first half against LSU. But after that, he was awesome. And against Southern Miss, it was Southern Miss, man. He didn't play that well. The receivers didn't make any catches for him and they won by 53 points. And then in the first six drives against Boston College, they scored five times, four touchdowns, two of them with him having been left the game with an injury. And he still came back and led touchdown drives. So the point being, if Jordan Travis plays just like he's been playing. Lackluster. Right. His lackluster is better than the kid he's playing on Saturday. And his lackluster is all conference. It's not going to win him a Heisman, but he's going to have chances. This is a great showcase game for him. Uh, he's going to have Miami later in the year, which I think has the chance to be a pretty big-time matchup. He's got uh, Syracuse maybe is a big-time. I know it's Syracuse. Roll your eyes. Fine. Whatever. They might be undefeated. Duke is probably – well, Duke's got Notre Dame this week. Duke could be ranked when you play them. You got who knows what. You know, Florida might be good at the end of the year. He's got opportunities, my, my point being, with games at Clemson, at Death Valley, and at the Swamp. And then games at home against capable teams, which people will be watching. He's got a chance to to stay and really get into this Heisman race. Like you said, his odds have gone up or down, however we do it. He was right. a le- plus 1,100. Now he's plus 900. I think part of that is because Travis Hunter isn't winning the Heisman now. Um, by the way, I, I think I agree with all of us that that Colorado State kid should be uh, shot. Oh, it was a joke. They, but by the way, do you the, the death threat? Like, I thought it was funny that people came out and said how classy Dion was talking about not giving death threats to that kid. And if you guys haven't been paying attention, the Colorado State safety that knocked uh, Travis Hunter out of the game, apparently he's been getting death threats. And everybody talked about how classy Dion was for admonishing fans for giving the kid death threats. And I'm like, well, yeah, but I I, I think. I think most coaches would be against that. You know, I, I think most coaches would be like, yeah, let's not do that. It, but Dion said some really nice things about the kid um, and said he's a really good football player. He is. That's the thing. The kid is a good football player, but he's only going to be remembered by that, you know. Well, yes. And it didn't help that Travis Hunter on his YouTube channel said that Colorado State was the dirtiest team in college football. I mean, they, uh, I mean, how many personal – You can't <laughs> argue with it, Travis. I'm not saying you're wrong. Uh, but, but anyway um, – you know, and I, I really do hope Travis Hunter's okay because he is fun to watch. I know maybe not for Florida State fans because you can envision you. We all remember what happened, but man, he is he is uh, incredible. But you know, Jordan Travis is a very very good college football player, and this is such a unique, a uniquely cool opportunity for him on Saturday to go up there, play well, win a game that nobody's won up there since Jameis for Florida State. I mean, and and. He'll be right, and he has he has more opportunities to stay in the Heisman race and edge up towards the top of the Heisman race than I thought he did after the LSU game. Does that make sense? Yeah, Because yeah. the LSU game, it's like people have forgotten it. He was awesome in that game. He's the best player on the field. Well, Keon was good too, but he was a really good he was really good in that game. He was better than Jaden Daniels, and now Jaden Daniels, because of one game at Mississippi State, you know people. People think he's the best quarterback in the or one of the best quarterbacks in the country, which he is. But so is Florida State's guy, yeah. um, and he's been he's been very good. Maybe he's been pedestrian by his own standards, but that is still very very good. 
And, you know, we Southern Miss, I know he wasn't great, but he still had those two ridiculous highlight plays that when he's running backwards for 30 yards and then converting fourth downs. That's not normal. Right. But those are Heisman type plays. And hopefully he can make a few more on Saturday because I, as you guys all know, I believe in the kid. I hope he's 100% healthy. He looked it on Tuesday, but again, he's not being tackled. So uh, we'll see. Um, but I, I thought he looked just normal. I mean, I think I thought he looked fine, looked normal on Tuesday. And uh, it, I just, I like the kid. I like the kid. I don't know where I was going with that, but I talked and now we're done. All right. Uh, mailback show, Renegade Express known in some corners. Got to be a member, though. Go sign up if you've never been a member. You can do it and save 50%. Big weekend or big game weekend promo. Mm. Just just go to the website, sign up for it. We'll sign do- up. It's a great it's a great deal. And the one last thing, Aslan, because I just remember what I was going to say. They came out with the ratings for this weekend. Uh, Colorado, Colorado State blew it out of the water. Unbelievably. Must have had the highest ratings. I think it was the highest ratings an ESPN game has ever had. A regular season game, which is incredible for a 10 p.m. start. But fifth this week in ratings was Florida State Boston College noon, which, again, I just want to say that kind of shows you. And for comparison, NC State played VMI. And according to these ratings, well, Mississippi State LSU, how about you compare that one? Well, but NC State had 280,000 people watching their game against VMI. Florida State played Boston College and had 3.8 million, which was more than LSU Mississippi State. At, which was on at the exact same time. So, again, Florida State is a brand. People care about it. And also, the the, the bigger point being, there's going to be a lot of people watching these Jordan Travis games from here on out. Mm-hmm. If he plays well at Death Valley and they can win, he's right where he needs to be in the Heisman race because he can't win. The, you're not winning the Heisman in September, but you can't lose it. And if he plays well up there, win or lose. If they lose 35-34 and he plays awesome, then what are you going to do? But... You know, he I, I I just I would be surprised if he didn't play well, wouldn't you? I would. I would. We'll find out soon enough. Saturday noon, Death Valley. All the stuff I said 30 seconds ago still applies. Sorry. Jeff Cameron show one to three o'clock coming up on War Chant TV. Have a great one, everybody. Thanks for listening to Wake Up War Chant presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill.